Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, how to practice keto flexing for metabolic health. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I wanna thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here. Thanks so much for pressing play today. Today's episode is a sweet one with Dr. Robert Lufkin, MD. And it's kind of a different format as this is an interview where I was on his show, the Health Longevity Secrets show. Also, the recording is for his upcoming seven-day Health Longevity Secrets, which is gonna be an online summit with amazing speakers to talk all about these ancient healing strategies, ketosis, fasting, and some other longevity tips you probably haven't heard of. So we're gonna drop a link down below for you to sign up for this free seven-day Health Longevity Secrets Summit. And then also go check out Dr. Robert Lufkin's information as well. We'll put his information below. If you're not familiar with Dr. Robert Lufkin, he's an amazing guy who has been trained conventionally as a medical doctor and his vision is to help to reimagine the conventional healthcare model with evidence-based, clinically proven lifestyle modifications and other tools to improve health and longevity by preventing and even reversing the most disruptive diseases and chronic conditions. He served as a full professor at both the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine and the USC Keck School of Medicine. He is currently a clinical professor of radiology at the USC Keck School of Medicine with an academic focus on the applied science of longevity. He is also the chief of metabolic imaging at a large medical network in Southern California. In addition to being in practice as a physician, he is the author of over 200 peer-reviewed scientific papers, 32 book chapters, and 13 books that are available in six languages. He studied computer science at Brown University and completed his medical degree at the University of Virginia School of Medicine. So this was a great interview. He brought me on his summit. He also released it as a podcast, and we talk about keto flexing. So we'll get into the conversation of healthy cooking oils on keto versus the worst, why I believe keto flexing is the long-term solution to keto. We debunk a lot of these myths about keto being a fad diet, and we talk about the difference between burning sugar versus burning fat, the difference between saturated fats, monounsaturated fats, and polyunsaturated fatty acids. And this is a conversation that I believe will empower you. So I hope you enjoy it. We'll get right into it. Be sure to check out the links in the notes below because he has an upcoming seven-day Health Longevity Secrets Summit with other incredible speakers, and it's free. So you could sign up by clicking the link in the podcast notes down below. Here's the interview with Dr. Robert Lufkin and myself. Welcome back to the Health Longevity Secret Show, and I'm your host, Dr. Robert Lufkin. 
Today, we get to see how a process called keto flexing, which combines ketogenic diet, intermittent fasting, and other secrets, can help deliver metabolic health. Our guest is Ben Azadi, FDNP, who is on a mission to help 1 billion people live a healthier lifestyle. Ben is the author of several best-selling books, The Perfect Health Booklet, The Intermittent Fasting Cheat Sheet, The Power of Sleep, and most recently, KetoFlex. Ben is the founder of Keto Camp and is the go-to source for intermittent fasting and the ketogenic diet. He is also known as the health detective because he investigates dysfunction and educates, not medicates, to bring the body back to normal function. Before we begin, I would like to again mention that this show is separate from my teaching and research roles at the medical school, which with which, which I'm currently associated. It is part of my continuing effort to bring quality, evidence-based information about health and longevity to the general public. Now, please enjoy this interview with Ben Azadi. Hey, Ben, welcome to the show. Rob, I'm grateful to be here with you and everybody else. Hello. Yeah, well, you and I, you and I share, I think, a common vision of uh, helping people lead uh, healthier lives, uh, especially through the use of, of ketogenic diets and intermittent fasting. And we have so many, so many interesting things to talk about. But before we do, I wonder if you could uh, set the stage for us and tell us about your your personal journey and how you came to be involved with this this fascinating area. I would love to. So I grew up here in, in Miami Beach, Florida, born and raised, and I followed a standard American diet, which we know is really toxic, processed, and not going to contribute to a healthy longe- uh, longevity life, uh, a healthy long living life, I should say. So I was obese growing up here in Miami. Uh, parents were divorced, left to my own devices, had really bad behavior, lifestyle decisions that I made, such as addiction to video games, addiction to sugar and drugs and alcohol. And this transferred into my adulthood, where back in 2008, I found myself as a a 24-year-old man who was obese at 250 pounds, lost in life, depressed, suicidal, wanting to give up on life, had no goals. I always say that I was tiptoeing my way through life, hoping to land safely on death's door. So I was just broken, broken, and I needed to make a change. I didn't have the energy to make the change. I didn't have the health, the vitality. I had back pain, the sugar addiction, going to the refrigerator, looking for answers, and I was hopeless. And this is a time in my life where I actually started to pick up a book and read the book. And one book led to two books, to three, to five, to 10. Uh, And I I read books from incredible authors like Dr. Wayne Dyer and Bob Proctor and Earl Nightingale and Jim Rohn and all these incredible authors. And and the books did a lot for me. They opened up a whole new world. But the most important thing it did for me, and I hope this summit does this for everybody watching, it helped me take ownership and responsibility. For the first time in my life, 24 years old, I took ownership and responsibility. That word responsibility is so important. To me, that means your ability to respond to life. And my ability to respond to life up until that point was really poor. I was the victim of my circumstances. I was blaming my genetics. I was blaming my slow metabolism, my enabling family members. 
I was blaming everyone and anything I could get my hands on. But the truth of the matter is that I am res- I was responsible and I am responsible. So I literally said those words out loud. I am responsible. And for the first time ever, I went from being the victim of my history to the victor of my destiny. And I started to actually exercise, started to eat better. And nine months later, from taking that ownership and responsibility, I went from 250 pounds all the way down to 170 pounds. I went from 34% body fat down to 6% body fat, size 38 waist to size 30. So finally, Rob, I carved out this physical six pack, which is something I always dreamed of being a kid that was bullied and picked on. But the most important thing that I achieved was a mental six pack. I started to think better thoughts. I started to realize how important those thoughts are to your health and to your life. And that's what got me started. That was in 2008, about 13 years ago. And I've been searching for true cellular health ever since, because even though I lost the weight, I still didn't feel healthy. Six pack abs do not mean you're healthy. I was one of those fit sick people. I still have had digestive issues and addiction issues. So throughout the years, I was looking at different diets and different approaches. And it wasn't until 2013 that I got discovered, that I discovered ketosis and how amazing this ancient healing could be. And I applied it with intermittent fasting. And for the first time in my life, I started to see and feel what true cellular, cellular health looks like and, and feels like. And ever since then, I've been teaching the gossip of keto and fasting, uh, getting the message out there. My company, Keto Camp, the mission is to educate and to inspire a billion people to help them understand how incredible their body is. And they have a innate intelligence that is eager to work for them. It's an inner physician. And what we need to do is remove the interference and allow this innate intelligence to do its job. And that's where ketosis and fasting comes into play. So that's the mission and that's my story. And uh, that's why I'm here with you today. That's such a, those are such beautiful concepts, especially the, the idea of responsibility and, and, and as it applies to lifestyle choices, every day we get to take responsibility for our lives and in the choices that we daily make in the, you know, the food we eat, the exercise we, we participate in, the sleep we do. And, and, and other choices throughout our life. Responsibility is such an important concept for, for, uh, for all our health and wellness and longevity. Amen. I, I love your podcast. It's, it's, uh, I think it's the top rated one uh, in, the, in the space. And, and, and in particular, I love the introduction to it where you say, um, that we have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp podcast, we are determined to deliver the science. I love that that take on it. It's almost a, a spiritual, uh, a spiritual process, and it acknowledges that 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 fasting and particular nutrition strategies like ketosis are truly ancient and powerful medicines. And in many ways, they're much more powerful than the drugs that the conventional healthcare establishment has has to deliver. Um, And so uh, perhaps we could, you could start us off by just talking about your view of uh, ketosis and, and metabolic health and how does, 
what what is ketosis and how is it valuable for us all? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a popular question. A lot of people are going on Dr. Google and searching for the keto diet. And of course, there's a lot of people who teach keto and do keto, but they're not really focusing on cellular health. And all the speakers you have on the summit, they're all focusing on, we're focusing on cellular health, not just fat loss and weight loss, but actually health, because that's the way the body works. We're not losing weight to get healthy. We're getting healthy to lose weight. So we're not focusing on, at least I'm not focusing on calorie counting. When we talk about keto, we know that keto technically is not a diet. Yes, you can eat a diet to get you into ketosis, but technically keto is a metabolic process. And to what you were saying, Rob, it has been around since humans have existed. Every single one of our ancestors did keto. That is a 100% fact. And the reason it is a fact is because they didn't have food readily available to them. So they had to fast, which forced their body to burn body fat and the liver produced ketones. This is a natural process. And in the modern diet, we have a keto deficiency. The standard American diet is a keto deficiency. The average American is eating 300 to 400 grams of carbs per day. They're eating throughout the entire day, and they're never experiencing this amazing metabolic process, this tool, this ancient healing strategy that we have available to us. And the benefit of getting into ketosis, there's several benefits, but let's view this from a cellular lens. The human body has about 50 to 70 trillion cells inside of it. And out of those 70 trillion cells or so, only two options for fuel, basically. Either the cells are burning glucose and sugar or the cells are burning fat and producing and using ketones. When the cells are stuck burning sugar, sugar burners, we call them, like I was when I was obese, it's not a fun way to live. First of all, you need to eat every two to three hours to keep glucose up in the brain. Otherwise, you crash and get hangry. Also, it's very inflammatory to the cells. It creates a lot of cellular byproducts. These are toxins. Cells produce energy, as you know, through the mitochondria and the ATP. That energy that's produced creates a lot of free radicals and toxins. When a cell is burning sugar, it creates a ton of free radicals and toxins. So I always compare a cell burning sugar to a truck, a big Mack truck that is going through your streets with all this smoke being blasted out of the exhaust pipes of that truck visualize this truck with all the smoke going around the other cars, around the trees, all on the road. That truck is not healthy for the surrounding environment. Well, when your cells are burning sugar and only sugar, it's not healthy for your cellular environment. When we could teach the body to get into ketosis, which is called being fat adapted, that is a more efficient energy source. It creates a lot less of these free radicals. And I compare that a cell burning fat and using ketones to a Tesla cruising through your streets. That Tesla is a cleaner source of energy for the surrounding environment versus the truck. Well, ketones are a cleaner source of energy versus the glucose. So if we could understand that, we know that this is a perfectly normal process. Keto is not a fad. It's a fact. It's just very popular. So people think it's new, but it's just more nuanced. So when we could get the body in this fat adapted state, you're going to experience more energy. You're going to experience more brain mental clarity and a side effect of getting healthy and reducing inflammation. You start to lose some weight. That's why we see so many people reverse their obesity, reverse their insulin resistance and diabetes. I mean, we look at the stats out there, as you know, Rob, 60%, at least 60% of Americans are diabetic or pre-diabetic. I would be the case 
that it's closer to 85 to 90% of the population in the US. It's just that people are not getting blood work done and they have no idea. And it could take years for this to develop, although they have the, these conditions. So if we can lower our glucose and insulin with keto, we could reverse a lot of these conditions. And that's the proof in the ketogenic approach. And we see that all the time. So that is my viewpoint on keto. It's an ancient healing strategy. And it's an amazing process that we want to tap into. So to, to reiterate then, uh, ketosis is a normal state in our bodies that, um, that we do less and less of because of the American diet, which forces us into the glucose side. So returning to ketosis is like you say, it's not a fad. It's not a, a, a particular diet, but it's sort of a way of living. It's a way of being that, that is normal. And even as you say, it has health advantages to when we burn glucose then. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if you look, if you look at babies, right, here's the case that burning fat is our primal birthright. Babies that are breastfed actually go in and out of ketosis because breast milk has saturated fat and cholesterol. Yes, there's sugar in breast milk, but the baby is so efficient at burning down that sugar. The baby enters into ketosis and goes out, which helps the development of the baby's brain, which we know the brain is mostly fat. So we're designed to tap into this amazing process that the body is designed to do, but the standard American diet gets us away from that. And that's the issue. And, and all the things with ketosis is, is, is lowering inflammation and other positive metabolic factors that get us into this favorable metabolic state, which I have to admit as coming from conventional medicine, you know, what I, it's all about how we conceptualize disease as sort of it, like hypertension for many years, uh, I was taught that hypertension is high blood pressure. It's essential hypertension. You just get it when you get older. Nobody knows why it might be related to salt, but probably not. And there are a bunch of drugs that you give patients that lower their blood pressure, you know, work different mechanisms. And that's the way a lot of medicine still works. But now, now we're beginning to understand that hypertension is actually a result of metabolic disease and inflammation and the things that ketosis helps protect us against will actually reverse hypertension and make the hypertension go away. And that, like you say, in addition to the weight loss and, you know, uh, and insulin resistance going down, also the hypertension will reverse. And so it's almost like giving the drugs for giving drugs for hypertension will keep you from getting a stroke from the high blood pressure, but it doesn't treat the underlying problem, which is a problem with the blood vessels due to the inflammation, the metabolic disease, and all the things that, uh, that ketosis serves to help. So if you have high blood pressure, you know, you might take a drug just so, you know, you control it initially, but that's really not a good long-term solution. It's really to change your lifestyle and decrease the inflammation and do something like ketosis then. And, and th this applies for so many other diseases like heart attacks and, and strokes and dementia and many forms of cancer. Now it's amazing that these all tie back into, into metabolic health, which is driven by a ketogenic diet. So this mm -hmm. is truly ancient and powerful and primordial 
even in a modern medical sense, this is revolutionary what you're doing. It's, it's so great, so great the work you're doing in, in getting this ketogenic uh, diet and ketogenic lifestyle information out there. So another part of your program, which I, which I want to get into next, but before we do, the other part of your program is intermittent fasting. So I'm, if, I, if I adopt a ketogenic lifestyle and I, you know, I cut out my, my, my processed carbs and carbs altogether, much of it in processed foods, I'll, I'll be in ketosis. So what is the value of uh, intermittent fasting? Or can you talk a little bit about, yeah, what is intermittent fasting and how does that fit, in, fit into this whole thing? They go hand in hand. Uh, fasting and keto go hand in hand. They both do a good job uh, down-regulating inflammation. And you mentioned all these conditions, these, these diseases that are really symptoms. So being overweight, by the way, is a symptom. Diabetes is a symptom. Cancer is a symptom. It is a result of the actual problem. And all roads lead to excessive chronic inflammation. So if you could do clean keto and reduce inflammation, it could only help a lot of these conditions. Of course, you're going to work with your doctor on that. And this is not medical advice. However, all roads lead to inflammation. Fasting, intermittent fasting is one of the most powerful ways to reset your body. And when we think about the average person in America, they're eating every two to three hours. One of my colleagues, Dr. Don Klum, I interviewed him last of uh, this year on my podcast, and he was he did a, a patient population survey, which shows that the average person is eating 17 to 23 times per day. Uh, and you might be thinking, how is that even possible? Well, they're not sitting down at a table 17 to 23 times per day, but they're grazing. Every time you raise glucose and insulin, that is a meal to the body, whether it is your kombucha or your protein bar or, or a handful of nuts and seeds or even chips or cookies or whatever you're having throughout the day. And that is the opposite of fasting. You're in a constant fed state, which is going to wreck your body. Essentially, it's going to put a lot of stress on your digestive system. Uh, Dr. Zach Bush referenced the study from the University of Virginia that wanted to track how long it, it took to process a, a standard American diet meal so they took these college students, keep in mind, the younger you are, the faster your digestion, right? And these college students, they gave them 800 calories of a standard American diet, which was in this case, pizza. And they wanted to track how long it took for this pizza to become fully digested. And on average, it was about 14 hours. And if you're not fasting for at least 14 hours and eating a standard American diet, it's going to create a lot of stress in your digestive system, in your liver, in your body, and it's going to create this backlog of food, which is going to lead to a lot of problems down the line, leaky gut, autoimmune, et cetera. Fasting is a way to reset that gut, let it repair, let it recover, because it takes massive amounts of energy, resources, and blood flow to process a meal, especially a toxic standard American diet meal. When you incorporate fasting, you're diverting that energy away from digestion to healing the body. We have this process called autophagy, which I know a lot of your amazing speakers are going to touch upon. Autophagy is activated through several mechanisms, exercise, uh, synolytics, which are found in, in, in the turmeric and different foods. But fasting is one of the best ways to activate autophagy. And the, the Greek definition of autophagy is eat thyself. The body is so smart. I mentioned this innate intelligence within us. 
when we're not eating food energy, it needs to get energy from somewhere. So autophagy becomes ramp, uh, it ramps up. And then the body, the innate intelligence is looking for cells that are damaged. They're called senescent cells. They're inflamed mitochondria and it starts to repair your cells and organelles. And this is what's happening during a fast. Your body is so smart. It goes for the bad stuff. It's like getting rid of expired groceries inside of your refrigerator that lead to a toxic environment. This is what's happening in the body. We have cells, proteins, mitochondria that all have expiration dates on them, like the groceries inside of your refrigerator. So when you fast and apply it with keto, it's a great way to start healing the body. And they both do a good job fasting and keto at keeping glucose and insulin low so your body could go into this ketosis state, burn fat, and reset itself. So I love fasting and fasting strategies with keto. So let's see if I got this right. So so keto, keto is great, and I can get that through my diet, through lowering carbohydrates, and that will basically switch me to ketosis, and uh, I'll get the positive inflammation effects and all that. And if I stay in ketosis, then that's great. But the additional advantage of doing fasting, one is uh, to basically give the gut a rest. So there's less inflammation just from eating. I mean, we all have leaky guts uh, one way or another, and yeah. food itself is uh, inflammatory. So it'll give my gut a rest and even further decrease the inflammation. But then the important point you mentioned about autophagy, that when we fast, we we turn down mTOR, the, the, the pro signaling protein, and autophagy goes up. So there's an added benefit for, in so many ways from intermittent fasting on top of ketosis. That's that's beautiful. And now um, I wanted to I wanted to mention your your book here that I I love uh, Keto Camp. <laughs> I have it right here. It's it's it, it, your Keto Flex, excuse me, and your your program is Keto Camp, but the the program you came up with this the approach to the approach to ketosis and intermittent fasting is beautiful you've you've put it into this program called keto flex and and it's it's described in the book here but maybe you could tell us a little bit about how that works and how that fits together thank you rob yeah absolutely and you i want to just touch upon real quick you mentioned mtor uh, which i know you have some other speakers that are going to talk about that the, the magic is in balancing out autophagy and mTOR, which they have this inverted relationship. So mTOR, which is a mechanistic target of rapamycin, that's anabolic. It's growth in the body. Spurts of it is great. You know, it's very healing from time to time. But when you're constantly eating, it's too much growth. Cancer cells duplicate, leads to problems. Look at bodybuilders, for example. Now, autophagy is the opposite. It's catabolic, but in a good way, getting rid of the bad stuff. We don't want too much autophagy. We don't want too much mTOR. The magic lies in between. And that's where KetoFlex comes into play. We, we put together this book, 311 pages, and we outline our four pillars to achieving this balance of mTOR and autophagy. So the first pillar is called ADAPT, getting fat adapted. That simply means you're in ketosis. So the Tesla analogy, your cells are burning fat instead of sugar. That could take seven to 14 days. That's not the same thing as keto adaptation. There's a difference between fat adaptation and keto adaptation. Keto adaptation typically takes about eight to 12 weeks. And then at that point, now your cells and your mitochondria prefer ketones as the fuel source. 
but it takes those eight to 12 weeks of consistent effort in ketosis. So the first pillar will get you into ketosis, no keto flu required, which is really carbohydrate withdrawal symptoms. We get you into ketosis and then we transition you into the second pillar, which is called fast. We already spoke about it. It's all about intermittent fasting and changing up your schedule and letting the body get into that reset autophagy mode. Once you complete that pillar, you move into the third pillar called fate. This has changed over the years. Uh, what, what we currently do in the phase pillar is actually carnivore, which is a very powerful way to reset the gut, uh, eliminate these plant toxins, these anti-nutrients. You mentioned every single person probably has some form of leaky gut. Uh, it's a great way to eliminate that and have animal-based fat and protein for about 30 to 60 days, which is the phase pillar. You're phasing out all carbs. That's why it's called phase after that point, you're eight to 12 weeks in, you're keto adapted, and then we move into keto flexing. Keto flexing is going to be different for every person, depending on where they're at once they get there. Uh, but the, the premise behind keto flexing is this. I love keto. I think it's powerful. Every single one of our ancestors did it. However, our ancestors, whenever they had the opportunity to eat carbohydrates, they took advantage of that opportunity and they flexed out of ketosis. So that's kind of the premise behind keto flexing. I think we should be in ketosis most of the time, but I don't think we should be in ketosis all the time. Plus I view it this way as more sustainable, better for somebody's lifestyle. If you want to go to a wedding or an event, you could actually use that as a day, an opportunity to flex out ideally with healthy carbs. So I teach you these different protocols and how to flex in and out. The ultimate goal is metabolic flexibility. If you have a day where you intentionally flex out of ketosis, which benefits the body, helps make hormonal conversions, T4 thyroid, which is inactive to T3. Insulin is required for that. So chronically low levels of insulin could affect that. So a flex day could help with that. Uh, progesterone is also built off of uh, insulin, helps make these conversions and other hormones. So that's what a keto flex day is. It's not a cheat day. It's a feast day. And it's still low carb compared to a standard American diet. You're having about 100 to 150 grams of carbs for that day. So it's more of a paleo approach, but if you did it the right way, you should be able to flex back into ketosis within 48 hours. And that's the four main pillars that I teach in keto flex. Yeah, that the flex is fascinating. Let me see if I, I understand it. So the, the flex allows you to um, uh, have some metabolic flexibility rather than being in ketosis all the time. And, and you, you mentioned back before when people start ketosis, the, 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 uh, the ketogenic flu that some people have, but that's that, that, that won't happen after a flex day, right? Because you're already keto adapted, right? You'll just be able to Correct. go right back in. And yeah. And I've, I've, yeah. I've seen this just anecdotally with thousands of people that I put on, on there. I haven't seen one get the keto flu if they are flexing after those eight to 12 weeks. And then the, yeah, the, the flexing idea is fascinating. And then, I mean, looking back at our ancestors again, pre, you know, pre 12,000 years ago, agriculture and all when they were in ketosis, most of the time you say hunter gatherers and, and all, um, they might find, uh, I guess a beehive with some honey in it yeah. or, or fruit, you know, in the fall with a lot of fructose. So they would, they would flex relatively infrequently. What is the recommended interval or does that vary with everybody? Do you use CGMs to track which is the best interval or, or what, what's your approach on that? 
It's good. It's very difficult. It's going to be custom to the person. I love CGMs, the continuous glucose monitor. That's a great, one of the best health devices you can get to really see what's going on, even when you're doing keto, because there's some foods that you might have a sensitivity to that are keto friendly, but you might see your glucose spike and a CGM will give you that data. Uh, so yeah, using a CGM would be great. Ideally, we don't want to see our postprandial glucose, which is uh, postprandial meaning after eating a meal. An hour after eating a meal, you don't want to see that glucose go above 120, right? So you could use like a keto mojo or a CGM to see what's going on with your glucose. And then two hours after eating, you want to see that drop back down below hundred, even on a keto flex day. Um, women who do keto should do it differently than men fasting as well. So in chapter 12 of my book, it's a chapter all about keto and fasting for women. So for example, once you reach that point of keto adaptation, you finish the first three pillars and you're a woman who has a monthly cycle in the book, I talk about the, the seven days right before your period is when you're going to have seven keto flex days, higher carb days. You're not going to do keto. You're not going to increase your fasting schedule beyond 14 hours because progesterone and estrogen are very low that week. It's at its lowest point and getting the, that insulin up in a healthy way will actually help build progesterone, help you have a healthy monthly cycle. Once the period hits, you're going to go back into keto, back into fasting. So that's one variation of it. Men could get away with a little bit more of an aggressive approach since our hormones are on a 24 hour recycling pattern. Women are different. So men could do maybe just one flex day a week where you just designate one, a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever day you want, where you just get out of ketosis and back in. If you're insulin resistant and type two diabetic at the point of keto flexing, you might want to vary the flex by instead of having hundred to 150 grams of carbs, you might want to just make it an mTOR day based off of protein and a caloric surplus. So there's different ways to do it. Uh, but in general, I like, uh, maybe once a week as a keto flex day for most people. So as you say, the, the, the flex day, it's not like a Tim Ferriss cheat day no. <laughs> on that. It's more, more controlled uh, levels of carbs and not super high processed things. And then if, if you have access to a CGM or a continuous glucose monitor, you want to keep your glucose under 120 or a keto mojo. Uh, yep. and, and so it's, it's sort of controlled access to, to carbs and then, and then, and that's just one meal. Right. And then you basically, and then you bring them back down after that, uh, and go back into ketosis and the program. Correct. Yeah. It's for the, for the day. Right. So when I say oh, for the day, okay. Yeah. When I say hundred to 150 grams of carbs, that's not in one meal. It's throughout three meals for that day. And if you've done it the right way, like you said, Rob, you should be able to get right back into ketosis within 48 hours of doing that. And that's a good sign of a healthy metabolism. Yeah, I, I just I've switched to one meal a day for about the last year and a half, and so I'm like in my own mind, I'm like I have to kind of that's the meal is the meal of the day, <laughs> but it sure tastes good. I have to admit that the one meal. Yes. yes. <laughs> but yeah, so I I love this idea with uh, keto flexing. It, 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 it's beautiful the way it, it balances. Uh, 
kind of the the mTOR needs and the insulin needs in in in, in a in a healthy way, and then uh, watching out for thyroid, uh, helping the insulin do the T3, T4 to T3 conversions, and then you mentioned the testosterone deficiency and all. And yeah. in your book, I think you mentioned leptin too, which is leptin nice too. to yep. help with help with that as well. There's another so one. Like, there's another yeah. one, Rob. That um, so the book came out in April of 2021. And ever since, of course, we're always doing research. So it's changing a, so fast. It's yeah. changing so fast. So there's another thing that I've discovered with uh, the dangers of long-term ketosis, especially when you're having a lot of these industrial seed oils. And there's a, a nasty free radical called 4-HNE, which is 4-hydroxymenanol. And I've seen a lot of studies. Well, first of all, this free radical is a carcinogenic. It could lead to cancers and mitochondrial dysfunction. And I've seen several studies, I think there's five that I have in my notes here, that uh, long-term ketosis, you'll see a slow buildup of 4-H&E, which is why there's some studies that show keto can lead to cancer. Uh, wow. But keep in mind, that's people who eat a lot of vegetable oils, industrial seed oils, which we don't want to do that. We want to do clean keto. So that's a fifth reason. In the book, I have four reasons, but if I had to do a second version of it, I would add that four, that fifth reason in there. Uh-huh. Oh, that, yeah, that's... That's that's great. Let me see. Let me let me underscore that point. And in, in, in the book too, you mentioned clean keto versus dirty keto. And dirty keto would be seed oils. Is that right? And getting yes. fats from unhealthy sources. And just to emphasize for our audience that that you agree that that seed oils are are uh, harmful and to be avoided as well. Then with oh one hundred percent yeah I mean they're seed oils are they're called vegetable oils uh, it's not an accurate name for them but they're called vegetable oils as well but they're really industrial seed oils they're worse than sugar well I Dr Benjamin Bickman are you familiar with Dr Bickman sure sure yeah, yeah. love him uh, yeah, I've interviewed him guy. five times most that anybody's ever interviewed him I'm proud of that <laughs> by the way <laughs> uh, on my last conversation with him just a few weeks ago I um, we were talking about seed oils linoleic acid and, and these poofas and I said hey dr. Bickman I want to I want to debate you and I want to debate you in a friendly way because I love him and I've learned so much from him but I said I asked him because somebody else asked him I think it was dr. Mindy Pels my colleague asked him what's worse sugar or seed oils and he said, well, I'm a little biased because I'm the insulin guy. So he said, I'm probably going to lean towards sugar. And I said, um, well, I'd rather have somebody eat a standard American diet that's high in carbs and processed with minimal seed oils versus somebody eating a ketogenic diet, high in seed oils. And he actually tended to agree with me. But here, it's a hypothetical because if you're eating a standard American diet, Typically, you're getting the seed oils, but I, I, I want to just make the case to why these seed oils are so bad. And I'll give a list of all eight of them. Uh, they're oxidized, they're rancid, the processing of them. It's a brilliant process when it comes to manufacturing, but it's very detrimental to our health. And the reason I say they're worse than sugar is because if you ate a high carb meal that is has no seed oils. Yes. You get this spike in glucose, but you go exercise, you could burn that off. The body could burn off excess glucose. You eat these vegetable oils. You can't really burn them off. It'll create inflammation around your cells, around the mitochondria, the, the membrane around the mitochondria, and it could lead to inflammation for weeks and even months. Some studies suggest they're very unstable. They're called PUFAs. And Dr. Kate Shanahan always says PUFAs go poof. What she means by that is they have these 
conjugated double bonds that are closely located to each other that are attracting a lot of oxygen. And when that happens, it creates a lot of oxidation and inflammation, and it cannot really be used as an energy source by your cells. So when you consume them, it's creating, it's building your fat cells. They're, they're really inflaming the receptor sites around your cells, leading to hormone resistance, leading to nutrient deficiencies, leading to a lack of energy production by your mitochondria, all bad things. So the list of them are three C's, three S's, and two, and two others. And Dr. K. Shanahan calls them the hateful eight. So we have canola oil, corn oil, cottonseed oil. We have soybean oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil. And then we have rice bran oil and grapeseed oil. Those are all keto friendly. They might get you into ketosis, but they're not going to get you healthy. They're very unstable and highly inflammatory. So what we want to do is switch to stable fats, saturated fats, monounsaturated fats. We love coconut oil here at Keto Camp. We love all, real olive oil, avocado oil, butter, ghee, uh, duck fat, lard. People are shocked. At, these are stable fats that don't have the same issue. So that's what we want to do. Yeah, and that's such a such an important point. And and uh, and even going back to the uh, historical or uh, historical analogy is that our ancestors are used, are, are used to being exposed to carbohydrates once in a while in the form of honey or fruit or fructose. But a lot of these industrial seed oils are just that they're industrial byproducts that are manufactured. And, and I'm not sure that we were exposed to them earlier than, than now. So, you know, genetically, biologically, they're really very foreign. So that's that's a great point. Well, the uh, I the other thing I didn't mention in addition to your podcast, I mentioned at the beginning though, was your YouTube channel too. It's excellent. It's one of the highest rated ones out there. Uh, be sure I want to make sure our audience be sure uh, takes advantage of that and and looks at all the great material you have there, and also. I, yeah, I wanted to, to speak about, uh, let them know about the programs that you're doing, specifically Keto Camp and how, how they can uh, become involved with that. And what, what does Keto Camp do and what do, what do people experience there? Thank you, Rob. Um, yeah, so the Keto Camp Academy uh, is an online platform where we offer a step-by-step complete system on the four pillars I mentioned. Uh, so it's a step-by-step system of tutorials by me over 200 videos in there with detailed notes in each video, taking you through these pillars, but also giving you health coaching from me as well. We do group coaching calls twice per month on zoom. We do zoom workouts. I also bring in once a month, an expert in the field to do a masterclass we've done with Megan Ramos. We've done with uh, Ken Berry, Dr. Fung, a lot of the people you have on your summit here. So I'll bring in an expert to kind of educate as well. So that's called the Keto Camp Academy. It's a step-by-step system for keto and fasting, and you get group coaching from me and support from all the other members. And you can learn about that over at ketocampacademy.com. I also talk about it. I sprinkle it in the book as well, Keto Flex. So the book is a great start for you, but if you want to take it next level and have somebody actually coach you with me being that coach, the Keto Camp Academy would be your best option. 
and this is available online. So anybody anywhere can, uh, can sign yes. up for that then, correct? All you need is uh, internet access and a web browser. That's it. <laughs> what a great world we live in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, as, a, as an expert in, in this area, who's, you've, you've spent years now uh, helping people with their lifestyle choices about ketosis and choices about seed oils and, and choices about uh, intermittent fasting. And, and in your book, you get into a lot of other things about sleep and, and other things yeah. as well there, but sort of as a, as a master of lifestyle for health and longevity, I'm wondering if, if you would mind sharing with our audience um, what the personal choices you make in your own lifestyle uh, that that you feel that are that are best for you, and bearing in mind everybody's different, and you know we all we all personalize our choices, but it'd be be fun and great to hear what choices you've made for your life. Absolutely, great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, I'd be happy to share that. So, I protect the first hour of my morning, and typically the last hour before bed. That that time. Those two times are the most important for the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is running the show. <laughs> 95% of your results are coming from your subconscious mind. And a lot of people are unaware of what the subconscious mind is doing for their health. I always say you have to exercise before you exercise. And how you change your subconscious mind is constant repetitive action. So the time before bed and when you wake up in the morning is when the subconscious mind is at its most impressionable point. So whatever you feed it then will manifest into your reality. A lot of people are feeding their subconscious mind, social media, mainstream news, scary movies, you know, negative things right before bed. And then they wake up and they check their phone first thing. I used to be that person. So what I do is I write down my goals and my gratitude every night before bed. And I write it in the morning as well with affirmations. And then I go take my dog for a walk here in the Bay Harbor Islands, which is where I live. And I am getting morning sunlight, which is so important for your circadian rhythm and your hormones. I'm getting morning sunlight through my eyes, on my skin. And as I walk my dog, I'm literally saying affirmations in my head. I'm saying, I am healthy. I'm loved. I'm healing. I have a whole bunch of affirmations. I'm feeding my subconscious mind what I want to work for me. Because I, I truly believe what we appreciate, appreciates. And what you think about and what you think about through gratitude, you start to bring about. There's a part of the brain called the reticular activation system. And whatever you feed it, you'll see more of. So if I want to feed that reticular activation system, good things, not problems, not toxic thoughts. I really believe if your thinking is stinking, your dreams are shrinking. Health dreams, financial dreams, relationship dreams. So for me, I protect those two times throughout the day. And then about an hour and a half after I wake up, I'll have my morning cup of coffee. Uh, I, I use organic coffee source with uh, French press, and I'll put a little bit of some butter sometimes and some MCT oil and some sea salt. And I'll drink that until probably the afternoon. It's when I'll break my fast around 2 p.m. or so. I'll have my first meal, which is typically high fat, high protein, of course, keto friendly. And then I'll have another big meal around 5 p.m. So I have kind of like a three to four hour eating window. And then I'll flex once or twice per week because I've already done the work myself. So that in general, I hope I answered your question. That in general is uh, a typical day for me. Yeah, that, that's great. Do you use, um, as far as uh, devices, do you use uh, 
ketone breath monitors or uh, keto mojo blood or CGMs, any of those you, you find useful for your, your daily life? Yeah, I've used them all. So I like Biosense makes a great breath ketone meter. I have them here. I, I like Keto Mojo as glucose and ketones. I've used CGMs from Nutrisense and Levels. Uh, I'm currently not using a CGM, but I love from time to time to put it on for 30 days and do some experiments. If I do carnivore, what does it look like with the CGM? So uh, I don't feel the need personally to test my glucose and ketones anymore, unless I'm changing my nutrition and experimenting with something. So I do believe in the beginning, it's important to test, to get an idea of what's going on, but you could reach a point like me when you know you're in ketosis and you know your glucose is good. So I have all those devices. I just don't wear them every single, I don't use them every single day. I do use this though, which is an aura ring, um, which is a great biohacking device, tracking my total sleep, REM sleep, deep sleep. It's looking at different uh, my heart rate variability. It's looking at so many different factors. So this is something I use every day. Oh, that's, that's great. How about nutrient, uh, nutrient supplements, any supplements, uh, that you, that you use personally, you'd recommend. Oh man. If you looked at my cabinet in my kitchen, uh, you'd be like, Whoa, we got more things here than the hospital. <laughs> Uh, yes. Uh, my viewpoint on supplements is of course you want whole food source supplements. I like rotating my supplements, everything in nature is cyclical. So, but one of the, one of the supplements or some of the supplements, cause I, I get asked this a question a lot from my Academy students. They're like, you talk so much about different supplements. You interview all these people, which ones do I take? And it's going to be very custom to the person, depending on what they're going through, but the staples, I'll give the staples magnesium. I love 400 milligrams of magnesium, either threonate or glycinate or citrate, or even like a complex of them or a nanoparticle. I'll rotate my magnesium, but I take that 400 milligrams every single day. I like a product called Ion Gut Health. Have you, have you heard of Ion by Dr. Zach Bush? Yes, yes. I've yeah. Heard of it. yeah, it's a liquid and, it, and it's a, what's called a redox molecule for the gut. So it just helps close tight junctions. So I take a tablespoon three times per day. I give it to my dog. Uh, I like ion and I like a, a, a vitamin D complex with all the vi fat soluble vitamins to keep my, you know, immune system up, uh, to protect my stuff. So I take vitamin D with fat, a fatty meal, uh, and then hydrogen water. I drink every single day. I have a machine that makes my own hydrogen water. I give it to my dog as well. So those are a few staples. And one more I'll add on there that I'm thinking of is a plant-based omega called pure form, which is. Uh, not rancid like most fish oil. And it actually is plant-based omega, which are called parent essential oils, which actually help your body make its own fish oil. Your body could actually create its own EPA and DHA through these um, what's called PEOs. So I take these plant-based omegas, which also help my cells get oxygenated as well. Oh, nice. Nice. And then how about uh, prescription drugs, any, uh, metformin, rapamycin, you mentioned synolytics. Uh, yeah. are you, are you, uh, taking any of the longevity drugs? Uh, I, I don't take any, any of those. Uh, I do take berberin, dihydroberberin on my keto flex days. If I know I'm going to have a high carb meal, I'll take some berberin. Uh, I don't take any medication, uh, at all. So not that I'm opposed to like some of the benefits of those that you mentioned, but I haven't really dabbled in it myself. Yeah. I mean, they're certainly, they're certainly under investigation and they're yeah. Experimental and, and all that. We're not recommending uh, people take right. those, but, but, 
but uh, many of our speakers uh, do, and they're comfortable talking about it. So I just, uh, I just put it out there. This is such an amazing time in medicine and and in health. Uh, there's so many things changing. The way we thought about things even 10 years ago is is dramatically different in in my space and our space here together. Uh, it's it's such an exciting time. Things are moving so fast, and we can only imagine what the next five or 10 years are going to uh, are going to be when we find even more things. Um, yeah. So maybe Ben, could you give us uh, for our people who are listening? Can you uh, tell us your website uh, so they can access it? Uh, uh, how they can access it? Yeah, my website is uh, benazadi.com and you could find all of the resources on there. My social media, my podcast, uh, my books are on there. So benazadi.com. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll have everything in the show notes too if people want to check that for any of the links and uh, we'll reference everything and have the, the transcript as well. Thank wow, you. this has been a this has been a delightful time, Ben. It's so great to get to spend an hour with you and get to know you and 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 find out about all the exciting things you're doing. I want to thank you so much for for being on this show. Oh, Rob, thank you. It was a, you're a great interviewer, and I love the work that you're doing. I'm grateful to be a part of this life changing summit. It really is a life changing summit. So make sure you're watching these videos and taking notes and taking action and eliminating distractions. I'm personally looking forward to watching the other speakers myself. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of this and uh, let's keep changing lives. You're doing amazing work, Rob. Definitely, Ben. So are you. Thanks again. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and I really hope it inspired you to understand how incredible your body is. If you want to be a part of his amazing upcoming seven-day Health Longevity Secrets Summit, head to the link down below in the notes. Also, I'll put his information in the social media if you want to reach out to him and follow him and support his amazing work, I would recommend you do so. So check out all the links and resources down below in the podcast notes. If this conversation was valuable to you, please text it to a friend, copy and paste the link and share it, post it on your social media. And if you could leave the Keto Camp podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, that would make a huge difference to help the show grow and reach more lives. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.